Hey guys, uh, this is our fourth episode of In The Cut, and we have a pretty solid lineup of amazing women on campus. Yeah. Super excited to get to talk to them a bit. Yeah, so we were really excited about this episode because we know that we need to talk about what's going on right now, about debriefing the election and what's been going on on campus, and we just wanted to get um, together a group of other people that can talk about their experiences from diverse perspectives as well. So today we have like a power squad lineup of like (laughs) beautiful women of color. And yeah, so why don't we just go around and have you guys introduce yourselves starting with, let's start with Jordan Myers. Hi, I'm Jordan Myers. I'm a senior majoring in political science. Where are you from, girl? I'm from uh, New Jersey. (laughs) New Jersey. (laughs) Bet. Nice. Uh, hi, I'm Tumiche Fowley. I'm a senior studying health and societies. I'm also pre-med. Um, I live in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Okay. Mm. Hi, everyone. My name is Carol Quesado-Livo, and I am a senior in the college studying psychology with a minor in gender, sexuality, and women's studies, and I am from Philadelphia. Hey, Philly Shout out house. to Meek Mill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hello. <laughs> All right. Hello. My name is Sarah Gubara. I am also a senior. I am a biology major, chemistry minor, and I'm pre-med as well. <clears throat> and I live in Northern Virginia. Mm. Okay. I just realized there's there's a lot of Onyx that. love here. So oh, shout wow. out to Onyx. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's talk about... Um, just where you guys were on election night, and let's just talk about election night. Jordan, you were at our house, weren't you? You were at the crib. Yeah, I was at uh, Taylor and Steph's house. It was actually a really depressing evening. Yeah. <laughs> we um, thought we were going to turn up. No, y'all thought you were going to turn up. <laughs> I knew that there would be no turn up. See, I had no idea. I was coming from practice. I was like, oh, word, like, bet people are here. It was like midnight. I was like, why is everyone stressing? Like, we all know Hillary's going to win. Let's just, like, drink this drink and move on. But it was not the case. The second, y'all, everyone was like, oh, if she just wins Florida. I was like, what win Florida? What? There's not, that's not happening. Do y'all know what happens in Florida? And at that point, I knew it was, it was over. It was done. Mm. Damn. Yeah, you and Giovanni, the poli-sci majors in the house, like, retired early that night. Yo, Giovanni and I sat in a dark room and just were listening to MSNBC on my phone Mm. quietly. Mm -hmm. It was tragic. I literally felt like I was being filmed as like a end of the world type movie. Like (laughs) I was watching TV and I was like, wait, like this is this is someone's there's like a, a camera here somewhere. Like someone's just gonna yell, cut, it's gonna be over, but like not the case. So I don't know, Carol, what were you doing that night? 
I was in the process of writing a paper for an Africana class that I'm in, and I was just remember talking to my sister on the phone, talking to my mom, and like flipping back and forth between writing my paper and looking at the news, trying to update myself mm. and checking group me's constantly. Like I was trying group really news. hard. Mm. I was trying really hard to focus <laughs> on the election, but I just couldn't. Sorry, not focusing on the election. I was trying to focus on my paper. And mm. I was too focused on the election to really focus. I haven't seen my grade for it yet, so we'll see. I oh, got a zero on an assignment because I just completely forgot to do it. Mm. That night it was, was due at 11.59. And that night? Yeah. Oh. And that I, also I was, was too busy not scratching. very... I mean, what professor expected that to happen? Expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was yeah. sign language. I could have done it before the watch oh. party. That, that, that's on me. Did you guys stay up, like, the whole night? Because mm-hmm. I remember, yeah. like, people were here. Some people left. People filtered out of our house. Mm-hmm. It was probably, like, 15 people. And so I went to my bed, and I'm, like, on my phone because that's where I get all my information from, watching Trump's speech, like, victory speech. And I was like... I couldn't do it. Oh, I this didn't is the end of that. No, I didn't. I did not like, I'm in. I, like, I was in my bed, like, 3.30 a.m., and I was like, wow, like... What is happening? Yeah. I remember watching it, but I didn't watch it the night of. I watched it like that weekend when like Obama's speech came out, um, Hillary's speech. I watched both of theirs first, and then I watched Trump's. And I just remember like looking at his face and like feeling like he was still in shock of mm-hmm. what was going on. Too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They said he prepared two speeches. That he night. did. Yeah. Doesn't everybody? I think that's pretty though? commonplace. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. No, I, got there. I don't think he really expected to win because even I've I, also heard he that, said like, he didn't expect to, win, to be right? honest though he got so far I expected it to happen I was like Honestly, the fact that he is in the running right now every, the fact that we are casting he, votes yeah. Yeah. for either Hillary or Trump I was like it's raps it's raps mm. it's not a joke anymore um, but what about just having to do schoolwork and be a student and show up and be Mm. present in general and the days afterward I felt like I knew I was I was struggling I could tell that some of my friends were struggling Mm. like how did you guys deal with that and Mm. like what what was that I know I know the day afterwards it felt like the weather just reflected everyone's yeah. emotions yeah. it was yeah. rainy it was really dreary was and I was yeah. like it was walking also down silent the whole yeah. time yeah. Was was quiet I was yeah. walking down Locust Walk like it was so weird like a zombie yeah. like I had no yeah. emotion yeah face, and everyone so. else was the same yeah. way yeah. Yeah. it really I, felt like someone had died yeah, yeah, no, no my my friends I studied abroad in, in Austria. They were texting me like, "Is everything okay?" Like, I know you. Everyone in the U.S. is hurting right now. Well, not everyone. Like, fifty-four percent of people are hurting. Um, so yeah, it did feel like a death in the family. Honestly, mm-hmm. I I work um, at Chop, um, and I the so I work in the morning. So I remember like rolling out of bed, and I also went to bed at like. What, like five or so? Because, uh, yeah, and I woke up at like eight. So Mm. running on like three hours of sleep just because like even after, because I watched his speech as as he gave it. And it just, again, was like some weird dystopian universe. Yeah. And I like stayed up a little bit. or something. And kept watching the news thinking, okay, like punked. But (laughs) that didn't happen. So I eventually went to bed and then I woke up at eight and yeah, I looked outside and I was like, okay, like, th- this is fake. But then, yeah, you you got on the street and it wasn't even just like, because I 
like my location is is slightly off campus. Like it wasn't even just Penn people. Mm -hmm. Like the general city was just like mm -hmm. everybody looked like zombies. And then I got to work, and my coworkers like, "Are you okay? Like you mm -hmm. look sad and like tired." And I kind of like my head kind of turned a bit. Like what I just like, said. <laughs> <laughs> like what do you? What do you, you think? think's going on yeah. in in my life? Mm -hmm. So yeah, no the the days after well Wednesday and Thursday before Friday, um, mm. were they were like just like not really days. I just remember going to lab, oh like one long day or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the thing is, I'm I still have to do this orgo lab, but like right, like we know, still have assignments. We still have to still carry on stuff with like to do. academic, and it's not stuff that like I can't like say professor you know i'm just not feeling this four-hour orgo lab i'll see you later like mm -hmm. it's not um an option so i just you know you're mixing chemicals and just like my lab's also like really white so they're like you know all these white men are like laughing like washing their glassware mm. and i'm just like <laughs> i'm glad this uh, affects you guys as well mm. yeah damn <sighs> And then Friday happens. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to remember, like, how, like when I found out that this happened. Um, I don't really know. I think it was just maybe maybe in a group me someone told me about the incident. Um, so for those of you who don't know, which you probably do, um, there was an incident, um, and some a student from the University of Oklahoma apparently added all the black freshmen to a group me with a lot of racist, like misogynistic language about and lynching and very, very despicable and deeply saddening. Um, and so this was two days after the election, and. How did you guys find out about that, and what were your initial like reactions? I know Timoshe is like yeah. <laughs> you can you can go ahead. So uh, the funny thing about me is I actually don't check GroupMe that often, mm -hmm. or like my phone. Like if I have it, so like you can call me or text me. But I, it's funny because a lot of people think I'm very extroverted, and I am to a certain extent. But mm -hmm. I'm also very introverted. I also like to be left alone. Mm -hmm. So because of um, the election results, I'd missed a recitation on Wednesday to go to this meeting for the university had just to be like, pen, pen administrators, like, don't play yourselves. Like, in these coming days, mm -hmm. again, please do not play yourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to make sure you're lenient with students. And, well, like, can you just talk a little bit about your involvement in, like, the oh, UA? Oh, right, right, like, right. How you got to kind of talk with administrators and give the perspective of the students. Right. So I'm co-chair Uvumoja, which is the umbrella organization for all black student groups and students on campus. So a lot of what I do is advocacy on the be behalf of black students. Um, so basically, I'm also on student government, which gives me another access. But mostly um, through Moja, I get to meet with administrators and discuss um, things like academic support, uh, university life, um, really random things like fellowships to like financial services um, and just like academic initiatives and anything 
like, I guess, regarding that, also student safety, like, with the Division of Public Safety, so a lot of different things. So, yeah, I remember on Friday, I was walking down to go to a recitation, and it's funny because I go, I forgot my laptop, and there's two recitation choices, so I was actually going back, going back uh, up to Harnwell to get my computer, and I I look at my phone, and I see there's, like, what, like, 100 group meet messages, so I, like... I'm a, I'm a little cautious to open them, mm-hmm. but my other co my the other co chair Sydney comes barreling down Locust Walk and literally like grabs my arm and turns me around and says, "We need to go VPL right now," which is the vice provost for University Life. They have a whole building, and she like explains the situation to me as we're walking down. And I remember my first thought was like, "Why? <laughs> like mm-hmm. y'all already won? Like what mm-hmm. else do you want? Mm-hmm. Like." Um, I remember a poet said it. Actually, let me not s- spoil it for those who haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So. Okay, I won't spoil <laughs> it. But there was a very poignant line yesterday about you know not at the Exolano show. Yes, at the Exolano yeah. show about being <laughs> being content and winning. Don't do the most after you've already won. Um, so I'm thinking that, and then I'm heading to University Life. I sit there. Ivy Soul is there, like on her computer, typing away, tracking down IP address. Oh, tracking down IP addresses, um, and just like trying to get to the bottom of the situation. There's freshmen in the room already, like you know, like pulling up the group me and like trying to sort out all this information. And then people are coming to console them, and people are like crying themselves because it's only been two days, and it's like one thing after the other. Can we after just the other. can we just can we just be for like one day? Like, mm-hmm. can we get a break? So I'm um, dealing with that, and then like. After that, like, planning a town hall, like, immediately and trying to get, like, people rallied together. And then the press, like, descends upon campus. And, like, you know, on the our way to the town hall, there's, like, literally, like, three or four major news stations with, like, the vans and, like, like cameras. Like, can we interview people? Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, you can interview one person, but can mm-hmm. you just let everybody else... Like, somebody who agrees to be interviewed, mm-hmm. can you let the rest of people be? Um, and then that goes into Friday, and I'm just, I, I don't, it's just, like, also, like, freshmen. Like, I know it, it was also because that was the point of access the student had, because um, the network of students that were, were what, like, was behind it. One student had been admitted to Penn, so they had access to the Facebook Class of 2020 page, mm. which then... Um, that person then gave to the organizer to add students to the group me. Mm-hmm. So there was already an in, even though the person didn't come. They, like, rescinded their offer to come in May and then went to the University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was already that connection. Like, the student got into Penn, and I know Penn, like, wants to put distance in between, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this. But it's it's ultimately something somebody you admitted to mm-hmm. the university who was mm-hmm. so connected. excited to think that it wasn't a Penn right, student involved. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not a Penn student, but it's mm-hmm. a somebody Penn admitted. So You're still I mean, admitting races. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, yeah, Friday was just insane, I think. Um, the one good thing is I think people really came out in heavy support. Administration was – I was very proud of administration. Like, Maureen Rush rolled up in there, like, the FBI is here, like, whatever you need. Like, we're getting to the bottom of it right away. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you guys think about, like, uh, the administration's role? Because I know 
they did a pretty good job of like letting the wider community updating them. I remember receiving multiple emails like, this is what we did. This is the next action. And like on their Facebook on and also the alumni support. So if you guys want to speak to thoughts about how the administration handled this and like alumni support as well. Or just your experience of the event in general. Well, I, I really appreciated the administration's academic support, at least on that side, because I was mm-hmm. able to get one of my exams postponed, and I was stressed because I was like, oh, my God, I just spent my entire Friday here supporting everybody. I did not, like, Friday was about to be my study day. Mm-hmm. Like, I was about to go to my PAVE meeting and then hit biomed library and just not talk to anybody. So mm-hmm. during the meeting, mm-hmm. I look at Groupie and I'm like, damn it. Mm-hmm. Damn it. My Friday. And yeah. it was just, it was so, it was very hard. I'm just, glad that worked out. I remember we were. Yeah, I was going to die if I had to take yeah. that exam, to be honest. That would have been so bad because I had no time to study for it. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. I had to be there supporting black people, representing black pens. Mm-hmm. Just, there's no way for me to not be there and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, luckily, you know, the administration had my back on that. So I was really appreciative. Mm-hmm. I wanted to like talk a little bit more about creating spaces and safe spaces for black people. Um, I know f- the days after um, that we place an importance on like healing and just being in comfortable spaces. I know Jordan, you opened your house up with um, Kai and Aji, so we'd just like to hear your thoughts on that. Um, so in the days after the election, my house, I think has consistently, just because of who me and my roommates are, has consistently kind of been a place where queer people and black people congregate. Um, So in the days after the election, I know that, like, Kai was just cooking a lot, uh, and we just had, like, friends over. And then she was like, oh, we should publicize this and just let people know that this is a space that they can come through to. Um, And that ended up being actually a lot bigger than we expected because we did, we sent it out to all of our groupies, we put it on Facebook, uh, and then ended up having a lot of alums um, and guilty white people donating food and, like, um, just donating, yeah, just food and those kinds of resources to the space. And we actually had, like, a lot of people come through. And I think that that was really important, number one, to me, uh, because I think that, like, in that time, I needed to be around a lot of... I needed to be around people. But I also needed to be around people who understood how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, that place is not... For me, that place is not always mainstream or the most congregated spaces by black people at Penn. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is... Um, I think it's really important for us to interrogate the ways that, like, uh, heteronormativity and hypermasculinity still show up in our black safe spaces. Mm-hmm. And that we kind of do this thing, <laughs> we kind of do this thing where we're like, oh, you know, we're going to have these town halls, we're going to have, like, uh, these meetings, we're going to have these collections, or these spaces where we can be a collective, but, like, still overrun by... Oh, like at the town hall, we had a grad student come in and be like, but what are we going to do to prote- protect the women? And like just literally shouted that over everybody else who was speaking. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, what? Like, what What do you mean? What are we going to do to protect? Like, we good. Don't like. 
And it's kind of like, uh, I think for me, I've had, I've struggled a lot with how I relate to um, the black community at Penn because I'm who I am as a person. I'm kind of like, oh, well, I can either be a part of this space and work to make it into what I want it to be, but that requires a lot of my emotional labor. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do that. Uh, And that means creating my own space. And that's completely fine with me. Um, But Mm -hmm. that ended up being a really good, really important thing. Um, Yeah. What I loved about um, going there was that there were so many different, like, areas of the house where, like, over here people are sitting around the table eating, like, really talking about the election or something or having, like, a really serious conversation over upstairs. People are, like, watching Issa Rae's show mm, on Bravo. Or, yeah, just, oh. like, or watching a cartoon or just, like, trying to get their mind off things but still understand that they're not, like, blowing things off. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. everyone, like, had a place mm. to be... And that people had been there for, like, five hours and mm. stuff when I showed up. <laughs> Yo, yeah. people slept over. Yeah. That's cute as hell. Um, I also want to talk a little bit on, like, solidarity and allyship. I know Timmy Shoy wrote an article in the DP recently, Don't Be an Ally, Be an Ally. And you were talking about guilty white people donating food. So, like, and I also heard about people just giving out food on Locust Walk mm-hmm. and meals and stuff. I was like, how about me? The white guilt yeah. is on when so, it's on these days. So let's, let's chitty chat about that. Like, Okay, I have a question because, like, some people got mad at, like, mm-hmm. white guilt and be like, why are white people doing this? But I, I didn't think it was such a bad thing. Take your food and leave. Here's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> here's my thing about that. The word guilt implies that you know something's wrong. And, like, isn't mm. that the whole thing that we're trying to do is just the first step is white people need to know that something bad happened. And the fact that there are a lot of white people that do, I think those... Like, they could start becoming allies. They're not allies yet because, you know, they're just giving us Training food. wheels. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the training wheels. So I, I didn't think it was such a bad thing. I, I really liked it. This one lady, she made these bomb cookies. Mm. Yo. Damn. I think for me, <laughs> um, so I was having this conversation with my parents, and I was like, because I, I, I was walking down Locust, and I was like, I'm about to be on my way, and this guy just like hands me a gift card. He's like, we're doing 100 I times. I was trying to find Yo, those. Yo, I could not find the, the gift cards in the room. I couldn't find that man. I said, it's right tell me your location. They're right like, Walnut. Walnut. I'm like, oh my fam, God. Walnut, Walnut goes so long. Street. So long. 38th and Walnut, 34th and Walnut. Yeah, give me the coordinates. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are. Exactly. Yo, infuriated me but um i was like walking down (laughs) locust and i was on my way and he gave me the gift card and i was just like i felt two types of ways i was like thank you for acknowledging that this is a hard time and like i don't have time or money to really be purchasing food outside of like the dining halls and sometimes my mind is on other things but also it just kind of made me feel weird because growing up it was a rough life and like having someone just hand you something without you having to work for it it's just like it was just really weird to me. I don't know how to explain it. Mm. And my parents were like, what handouts, do they... Yeah. yeah, we don't take yeah. handouts, that type of thing. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, just like Friday was just... It was spent on a lot of disbelief and like coordinating efforts to like get people together and also like 
um, uplifting each other and just affirming black female leadership when people were trying you. Um, But back to allyship, like, yeah, I wrote this article and like people. Oh, thank you. I just I mean, my thing is, I feel like a lot of white people are guilty in these coming days. But it's like personally for me, I don't like the guilt i don't i can't do anything with your Mm -hmm. guilt like Mm -hmm. your guilt is internal to you and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie i mean i'm mad i didn't get a starbucks gift card like you know that that's nice but at the same time it's like you you being guilty implies that you're focusing your actions on alleviating your guilt to me but like Mm -hmm. the thing is like you have access to and i wrote about this a little bit you have access to spaces i don't just inherently based on who i am so instead of you like doing these things which i mean are nice but like if this is the only thing you're doing it's not enough because Mm -hmm. you have access to these spaces that like i don't to you know speak to your parents Mm -hmm. speak to your aunt speak to your uncle speak to your friends about why what they're doing is wrong in a way i can't and i feel like you actively working to dismantle those systems is what true allyship is rather than you saying to me, I'm so sorry. Are you wearing a pin? Egg, or like, you, yeah. what the heck is a safety pin? Uh, like literally two, exactly, it, yeah. two like, seconds later. <laughs> exactly, two seconds later, <laughs> white supremacists had already caught on to it and started Fast. co-opting it. So I'm like, this is why these types of mm-hmm. acknowledgements of these systems are so fragile. Like, they mm-hmm. inherently yeah. don't do anything. It's not my responsibility to come up to you and tell you that I feel unsafe. It's your responsibility as a supposed ally to, like, deconstruct these systems around me so I don't have to feel unsafe in the first place. So, mm-hmm. like, it's just, like, weird because in well, a lot know. of different like spaces i've been in people are also just like exposing themselves like some Mm. people you just like expect to like get it i remember not to talk too much about facebook well she doesn't go here so i'm not gonna like say her name or anything but like this girl like i i'd known for a while or whatever back home like you know like watched her grow up like watched (laughs) her get married to a black man watch her have Mm. this like you know, black baby, you know? I mean, well, she's, I mean, but she's black. Like, mm-hmm. she's oh, a black okay. baby. <laughs> um, this this woman is white, and I'm thinking, look at your beautiful family. Like, I'm glad that you're out here, like, getting it. And the day of the election, she shows up in this hideous sweatshirt. That's the American, just like uh, the American flag painted all over with like this eagle, like soaring. And she's like off to make America great again. And I'm oh, like, oh, no, no, no. What that mean? Oh I God. mean, we knew that's what the end of the story was going to be. No, and I, just, yeah. I was so appalled. And it's like I'm, I was hovering under over on friend. I was so close to doing it. But then ultimately I didn't delete, because delete, I said, delete. I mean, on my own time, I will take time to educate you and hopefully like you if you really call me a friend i mean i feel like you see the stuff i post like Mm -hmm. it's like those are the people i wrote the article for it's Mm -hmm. like you you coming out and voting for this man like that it's just it's not even an objective Mm -hmm. argument about whether Mm -hmm. or not he's been racist there's so many receipts at this point it's like compiled to like file a tax refund like there's Mm -hmm. there's so much information like for me it shows that to you like his racism was like a character flaw instead of like mm-hmm. like only a character flaw to to you which just like shows kind of like this gap in empathy that people have that i think for us to move forward for them to move forward like i don't need you to like feel liberated like i feel like we're continually continuously forming these spaces where we're re- reaffirming ourselves but mm. i mean ultimately like 
this is why I just am like not sensitive to like the white guilt. Like that's great that you feel guilty. And it's so funny because so many people reached out to me on Facebook after it, like, oh my gosh, your article was so powerful, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> Take the advice. Like no. <laughs> actually work to like yeah. unravel these systems. So I mean, f- f- white guilt is the first step, but like, and I could tell the people who, yeah, Afterwards. I actually touched because, like, right away, like, they were like, these are resources, y'all. Like, I'm having these conversations right now. And I'm mm-hmm. like, great. Yeah. What I really liked in your article, as you said, we don't need part-time allies. We for sure are not marginalized on a part-time basis. And that summed it up pretty well. Yeah. Um, so shout out to that. But also back to what Sarah Guevara was saying about um, not really seeing that much of a problem with, like, symbolic solidarity as well. Let me clarify. My thing is, like, it's a starting point, but a lot of people will just go on and attack people. Like, I don't need your white guilt. It's like, how about instead of saying that to people and turning them away from you, make them into allies. That's my whole thing. People are too angry that they're pushing Mm -hmm. away people who could potentially Mm -hmm. be allies for them. But at the same time, if anger pushes you away, you're not an ally in the first That's place. That's true. I, agree I don't know. Then, I feel like people just be offending people. But, like, why are you offended if someone's trying to, like, help you out? But I also have to say, like, it's important to look at what's going on right now. Because I think a lot of the allies that we're seeing cropping up, it shouldn't take people getting death threats mm-hmm. for you to be an ally. And I think that, like, something that this kind of, like, white guilt reminds me of is that, like, the threshold for the things that you will tolerate every day is so high. So mm-hmm. you sat here and you're like, okay, this racism is fine. This everyday racism is, racism is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, this ideology, this kind of language is fine. Oh, death threats? Like, that's where I draw the line. Right. And I think, like, that's the problem with performative allyship is it only mm-hmm. shows up when you have a major event happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, well... I kind of disagree in the fact that I think that white guilt can be channeled effectively. Oh, it can. Um, But I would say that, like, something that I've been doing, I wrote, like, a two-page letter to all of my professors, regardless of what their response to the election was, and I sent it to all of them. And I've been going, and Aji's been doing this with me, and having meetings with each of them, and I'm like, I know that you're sitting here in all of your liberal guilt, and what you're going to have to do from this point on is, like, This is not a, oh, I'm going to respond to the election moment. This is a, oh, you need to start coming to meetings now. You need to start being more vocal. You need to start Mm -hmm. um, putting this material in your class, like, in the Mm -hmm. syllabus on a regular basis. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't... Like, don't just react to this. Don't just react to this. Like, because that, that means that what you have normalized and think is okay is a kind of violence to people of color that like we have to live with all the time yeah. and that you just you think it's fine until it's really in your face and you can't yeah. avoid it mm-hmm. damn yeah thanks i wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the video um at smokes of yeah. people saying build the wall so we all have this like idea that these racist people are just out in the middle of nowhere but the fact is they're at our school as well so um, Carol, do you maybe want to talk about that or maybe any ways that being a part of like the Latino community here has like informed the way that you experience that? I find it really funny because um, so that Wednesday night, uh, the Wednesday right after the election happened, I was having a conversation with my residents. I'm an RA in Harnwell. And one of them said was like, I really don't think that the um, that people who voted for Trump are racist. Like, there's not that many people that are racist in this world. Like, it's not 
a lot of them probably didn't think about this way. And I was just like, I really was trying to get her to to think about those things and like try to push her further. Like, yeah, it's not a large majority, but you should see the effect that they're having on other people. And so when this video came out, I just really thought back to that conversation. And I was like, these are people that are not necessarily like the majority of the people, but these are people that are frequenting the space and creating this unsafe space here on campus. And it really made me so angry that this was happening on our campus and even more so after what happened the next day. So when when I saw this video, I also, it was just like a sense of rage and a sense of like, why is this happening? Like, why, why are people really supporting this? And in terms of like just being in the Latino community, in terms of both of the incidents, I just felt kind of disappointed because uh, there was points that some of the Latino community were like, this isn't happening to us. And I got really upset because I think mm. that it's like, I don't I don't know what their idea of being Latino is, but my idea is that we all came from a mix of a lot of different cultures. Like there was native, which mostly died out, and then there was a surge of slave ships that came to provide the economy that we had for every of our country. Only 4% of slaves actually went to the United States. The rest went to South America and Latin America and the West Indies. And that's the majority of like our makeup. So for me, I was like, what? just because you might have been a little bit more mixed with European culture does not mean that you don't reap the benefits of what slave labor did to our country. So to me, it's like we can't mm. separate us from this because it's happening to us too. If you look at a lot of the Latino, part of the Latino community, there are Afro-Latinos there who look black. And if someone were, were to literally like think about lynching someone, they wouldn't care, think twice to lynch you because you look like a certain group. And it's not just about the way that you look, but it's the way that we experience things. So it's like in our communities, we are we are low income. We are suffering from a lot of the similar things. Like people are going to jail at a higher rate. Like it's just we are dealing with a lot of the same things. And for me, to separate our communities is really, like, pointless because we should support one another, not even when it's just, like, an attack on, like, black people or Latinos, but because it's an attack on a population who are minorities and who should be supporting each other because they're going through very similar things. So that's just my opinion on it. I was just very disappointed with everything that mm -hmm. was going on. Damn. So. Yeah. Have there been, like conversations about like what this election has meant to the Latino community here or like what had there been like gatherings similar to the town hall or something <coughs> yeah so the LC decided to have a town hall on a Sunday after everything happened at 3 p.m. I unfortunately wasn't able to attend but afterwards I went to a Mujeres Empoderadas meeting which was like sister sister for um, Latino women and it was only about 20 of us and that's where I expressed similar sentiments to what I just shared right now and I basically it, it was really interesting how like we weren't really focusing on that topic per se and um when i did ask about it they were like that was the sentiment that was said like oh we don't want this this um was a quote that was said was like oh um we don't want to be the next person affected by it the next group affected by it and i was like that's when I like legit lost it i was like i cannot believe that this is the words that are coming out of your mouth and i just kind of like urge them to really bring things together because at the end of the day we are having a separate town hall I feel like that wasn't necessarily necessary I feel like if we're having these meetings there's less of us and like there's just like the communities that are having these meaningful meetings are smaller and if we're trying to actually mobilize we should 
come together. Like, you really don't do much by having conversations in small groups. You really do better when you're, like, granted, strategizing might be useful when it's, like, a, a two or three people strategizing a movement but at the end of the day you bring people together and everyone has like the same sentiments are talking about these things similarly in the bigger group you you can do more than just like having 20 people Mm -hmm. talking about this instance you know Mm -hmm. so my my issue was more the divisiveness like the fact that there was like these separate meetings but we weren't supporting the black community when things were happening that was my biggest issue Mm. um sarah i also wanted to ask you about like what you feel about being like a Muslim on this campus now and like if you've like had any thoughts about like what that means to you post-election or like generally the community post-election okay I'm gonna be very honest and say that I feel like I've at times had a very different experience than other Muslims on this campus mostly because I do still identify as black, and you don't see a lot of Muslims in our community, at least outwardly. Not a lot of... In Philly, there's a... Yeah, Philly yeah. has a huge... Yeah, it's the largest black Muslim at Penn. population. Yeah, so, like, there are Muslims who be in Maku, like, but none of them are as obviously Muslim as me. Um, I will say that after the election, I was... It was like 9-11 part two. Mm. I was terrified. I was walking along the street just looking out like, oh, my God. I wore my scarf Mm. differently the next day because I was like, yo. I was like, I'm afraid that he can actually try and do something. And I'm like, I'm from here. Mm -hmm. I've been Muslim since before 9-11. I I thought I had dodged a bullet then. Like, you know, Mm. my family actually, we changed our last name to avoid, like, persecution and stuff. So I was like, do I got to? Oh, my gosh. Do I got to do something again? Like, what do I have to change now about myself? And it was very scary. But I've been very blessed, thank God, to not have been targeted, at least me per se, not to my face. I haven't noticed anything. I mean, people make jokes and I'm like, oh, is that how you really feel? But other than that, it's just like I haven't actually seen anything done to me. I mm-hmm. don't know what that story is like for other mm-hmm. Muslim people because they tend to separate themselves from the black community. So to be so multicultural, it's different. I feel alienated from them. Mm. But I know that things are hard for mm-hmm. them, especially since 9-11 happened. That's the only reason why people even hate Muslims. Mm. Nobody had a problem with us before. Not really. Mm. I guess we want to end on um, kind of like where do we go from here? Like as a community at Penn, um, what do you think are next steps? Mm. I think, sorry, (laughs) I was just going to say just like really coming together. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we all have to work on that to some extent. And if that means, you know, being in La Casa more because they don't feel like... I do see a separation between Maku and La Casa. There isn't that many, like, flow of people in the shared space. And I think that if they were closer to black people, then they would feel more affected, even though they're affected, technically speaking. They're seen as black, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Additionally, Regardless if they want to be white, they're seen as black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
I also feel like it's not just about like coming together. Um, it's also about like acknowledging that everyone is dealing with like different things. Like mm-hmm. in this election, there's so much um, division in our communities different communities everyone's dealing with different types of bigotry and i think really understanding the scope of those things in each community um not to undermine things that are going on in our community but to really like stand in solidarity with one another and be like i i I see that this is happening to you and i will not let that happen again and continue to not only advocate for your own the things that are affecting you personally but also understand that those things shouldn't be happening to those people either so our community should work together to solve problems in each community not not just our own Mm, i totally agree with that also um just also asking people in those communities what they need because mm-hmm. I, I just I think the most poignant thing well not the most but one of the most is I remember um, some people just in different organizations trying to say oh we should do this blah 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 <laughs> like knowing I'm in this group it's like mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. outside like, of my role yeah. as culture you could have just you know I feel like it takes two seconds to ask me personally and not that I'm the voice of the black community because I'm not but like also, don't speak over members of a community you're not part of and, and, and try to organize things for them. That's my biggest pet peeve. It's like, sure, you're trying to help, but no, I don't need you to help that way. I think consulting each other and just being more willing to listen to each other first, I think, is mm-hmm. very, very key. And yes, collective action is key, but also giving people the space to... Because I think the biggest like thing was like, some people wanted to, you know, talk about their experiences, but some people wanted to, like, start action planning right away. And I'm like, wait, like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, like, trying to balance the two because some people were antsy right away. Like, their fingers were itching to start doing, like, the next thing. But it's like, we also have to have a space because not everybody processes guilt the same way or not gift, guilt, but grief the same way. So just, I think, having spaces for both to happen and occur. And also, I think, a larger mobilization of, I think... Education, and I know it's not our jobs, and, and I mean, you could do this how you feel like you can, but I think within our communities, like within our communities, sorry, when I said education, it's not like white education, no, that's not what okay. I mean, but like, for example, like what Jordan spoke about, like, I think that was so important because like, yeah. for example, like, it's hard because like, for example, like, I feel like we know the importance of that, but some people like think it's like being divisive and like you know taking away from other aspects where it's not oh sorry being divisive and it's taking away from like the black collective community but also recognizing that i mean the black community is not unified itself we have like rampant misogynoir like like Mm -hmm. rampant like homophobia (laughs) like rampant queerphobia and there's a lot of things that like need to be addressed and we need to listen to each other and educate each other on how those systems need to be dismantled within our community without people viewing it as decisive because i literally I had so many conversations about how like black women aren't respected and and some people were trying to tell me that's being decisive. We need to we need to stand up against white, you know, white supremacy right now. And I'm like, fam, I don't care if a white man is oppressing me or if a black man is oppressing me like Mm, oppression is spelled the same way regardless. So (laughs) I think that type of education is what I'm referring to. Okay, my bad. <laughs> oh no, I I, I saw I yeah. saw your face right after. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, not that. That's yeah. how I think similar to Timoshe, and I'm gonna try to say this without getting mad because it like really irritates mm. me. But I 
cannot impress enough the idea that you have to do your work. You have mm-hmm. to do your work. You have to do your work. You have to do your work. And I think that's something that I'm tired of seeing is to like, oh, we're woke, we're this, we're that, but not willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. If I, as a black queer woman, if I, as any of those marginalized communities come to you and I say what you're doing hurts me mm-hmm. and you don't listen to that, you're not mm-hmm. doing your work. And I think that like, I just, I cannot speak enough on how important it is to question yourself and challenge yourself every single step of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that this is something that, honestly, a lot of women do inherently. I think that a lot of the times before women speak, we do a lot of like, am I saying correct, something that's correct? Am I saying something, uh, did I do my research? If I say this out of my mouth... Am I going to, like, what's the retaliation going to be? Like, we always have to think about that. Mm. But I think that, like, that, we kind of tend to think of that as, like, a like a, a detriment that women have, that we always second-guess ourselves. But I think that's actually a strong suit in saying, like, mm-hmm. did I do my research? Did I listen? Did I go to this community? Did I, like, did I hit all those check marks before I opened my mouth, before I started doing something? And if you didn't do that, then, like, don't be mad when people call you out. Oh, my gosh. And I think that, like, I'm so tired of having to explain to white people, to black people, um, to anyone, like, uh, let, let me sit down and explain to you uh, my humanity and why mm. I'm a human and why what you're doing continues to dehumanize me. And then having those same people talk over me, um, either with guilt, with masculinity, whatever it is. And it's like, how can you sit here and purport to be doing anything for anybody and you don't listen? Mm. And I think that, like, that frustrates me so much as somebody who, honestly, like, you're not going to see me on the front lines most of the time. And the reason why you don't see me on the front lines and you don't see me, like, opening my mouth all the time is because I'm somewhere. Yeah, because (laughs) I'm, like, I think it's just so important for me to be quiet and listen. Mm -hmm, And, like, when I feel like I'm at a point where I have to say something that's not being said already, then I'll say it. But until that point, like, I'm going to make sure the people who aren't being listened to are heard and like that's the most important thing the people who aren't being listened to need to be heard and that's really it so i can't say it enough do your work do your work awesome yeah Aww. thanks so much guys jordan timache carol sarah Thank super you for important episode um i think it's important for us to like process things because you know it's only been a week and a half, two weeks. Oh wow, really? Since, since the end of the, the world. It felt like <laughs> since the <laughs> it end of the world. Felt like but two years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank wow, you guys really? for like deep breathing with week. us. And yeah, this is probably okay. like favorite episode. Yeah, this is great. Like I have so many things to think about now, and yeah. and hopefully this gets the conversation going and makes people um, like question themselves and what they're doing in this space right now and at Penn. So mm-hmm. yeah, so much. and if you're listening to this and you. There's a topic that you think should be addressed um, next time on the episodes. Definitely hit us up about that. Cool. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. This was In the Cut, hosted by me, Stephanie Hodges, and Taylor Hosking. We were edited and produced by Joyce Farmer. This podcast was brought to you by The Daily Pennsylvanian. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.
Oh.